This is worth repeating from Texas Public Radio. Real stories told by your neighbors and friends. I'm Andrea Vocab Sanderson, San Antonio Poet Laureate. At the outset of the coronavirus pandemic, we called off all in-person storytelling events that we were planning. We did what everyone was doing back then. We moved the show online. We asked our listeners to tell us their stories about pandemic life in the spring and summer of 2020, then broadcast those stories on Facebook Live. So the stories you'll hear in this episode are a sort of time capsule from those feverish early months of the crisis. First, Troy Peters on a long-distance reunion with an old friend. About 10 years ago, my family and I moved from Vermont to Texas. When an old friend who had moved to San Antonio a few years earlier saw on Facebook that I was in town, he invited me to lunch at Rosario's. Richard Keith and I hadn't seen each other since the 1980s when we were high school friends in Tacoma, Washington. We picked up right where we left off though. Our family started hanging out and then he and I started playing music together as a hobby. When we added a drummer and a bass player, we decided to call our band Slowpoke because it took us nearly 30 years of friendship before we formed a band. Well, the COVID-19 outbreak this spring derailed or interrupted a lot of things. For Slowpoke, it meant hitting pause on recording our first album. We were about halfway done when it became clear that it wasn't safe for us to be together in the studio. And this was a real gut punch. After almost five years of playing gigs and trying out songs and finding our sound, we were stopped dead in our tracks. So what do you do as a band when no venues are open to play in and it isn't wise to even practice together in the same room? For a lot of bands, the answer has been quarantine videos with each band member playing in a different location. But teleconferencing software like Skype or Zoom introduces slight time delays as video and audio pass through the internet. This delay is called latency and it makes it almost impossible to play music together over the internet. By the time I hear the drummer's beat and play along with it, I'm just a little bit behind. The next time you're in a Zoom meeting, try to get everybody to clap their hands together just once, and you'll immediately see how tough an obstacle this can be. So how do we overcome latency? Well, the people in quarantine videos, whether it's The Roots or the New York Philharmonic, actually play their own parts separately at different times. The final result is a product of hours of editing to line up and connect the separate contributions of each participating musician. Well, when Slowpoke made our first quarantine video at the end of March, our drummer, Eric, played his part alone first. Then our bass player, Brandon, recorded his part listening to Eric's recording on earbuds. I went next, and again, wearing earbuds, then Richard went last. And with some patient work in the editing room, we got everything to line up pretty well. I mean, it was a bit of a slog, but it was also great fun because Slowpoke's sound started to reemerge. For our newest video, Sail Across the Sea, we wanted to take things one step further. Richard had written two songs this winter that he and I had workshopped with just the two of us, figuring out harmonies and vocal arrangements. But because the band had been busy recording other songs, we hadn't taken the time to introduce these new tunes to the rest of the band. What if we tried to record a video performance of a song that we had never even played together in the same room before. Well, since Richard and I had already worked out the shape of these songs together, we were able to give our two bandmates a clear roadmap through music notation and a pre-recorded track, an electronic version of the bare bones of the song. 
After each band member recorded his own part over the track, then we took that electronic track away. Then we re-recorded a few more details, responding to how others had played their parts and uh, recreating the kind of give and take we normally have in rehearsal. But it just takes a little bit longer for it all to play out. Given the history that Richard and I share, I think it's especially fitting that Sail Across the Sea is really about reconnecting with a friend from high school. A few years ago, Richard and I went to our 30th high school reunion together, and we even played a few Slowpoke songs at that event. And Richard's experience there, reconnecting with old friends, led to this poignant set of lyrics about the summer we turned 17. It seems like an apt topic for this time of social distancing when all of us are longing to reconnect with friends, old and new. And someday, we'll even be able to sail across the sea again. Looking back on March of 2020, those last few weeks before the virus came to the U.S., it's hard to recall just how little we knew of what was to come. Anaya Lupton grapples with a beautiful springtime memory turned surreal by the pandemic. On March 7th, 2020, Joseph Eric and I got married under this old oak tree right next to the Pedernales River at the Lyndon B. Johnson State Park. We cried, we prayed, our friends read poetry, and we sang Geranium Kisser, throat of soil and minds like stones. We smeared ash on our hands and we laughed when the cows came running by to listen to the string quartet. We roasted this beautiful pig and drank sangria and explored the park grounds in our boots. Our friends and family gave really sweet toasts as we ate cake and polvorones and pan dulce. And our day was loosely scheduled. We moseyed about at our own leisure, and so did our friends. The afternoon seemed to rekindle some old flames, and many a lovebird was noted, just kind of nestled up on a picnic blanket, watching the river go by. Our friends colored pictures of the places where Joseph and I went on our first dates, like to add a girl. And they also drew pictures of the suture baths in San Francisco where he proposed. It was a day of endless hugs and kisses and wiping tears from the cheeks, activities that seem so foreign to us now and almost scary. The next day, we traveled to Mexico City for our honeymoon, and it was this dream we didn't want to wake up from. There's the two of us in Roma Norte. We loved the city and 
just the architecture. We visited galleries and museums every day and we practiced our Spanish and every evening opened up the windows so we could just breathe in the fresh air and the sounds of the street below. It was lovely. And this one day when we were walking through the park, we were talking about how important multi-generational living is to us, how we want our children, our future children, to grow up with our parents and how we just want to live like closer to our friends and just be around the people that we love. And just then we saw this boy teaching his abuelo how to ride a bike. And it just was all kind of serendipitous to how we felt and what we wanted. And when we returned home, we came back to a house just full of empty wine bottles and um, dried flowers, unopened gifts, and one last slice of wedding cake wrapped up tight in the fridge. And we returned home to a series of text messages and voicemails from friends and family wondering if we were okay because the stores had just been cleared out from the first rounds of panic shopping. And we suddenly just felt so vulnerable in a way that was a new normal to us as newlyweds isolated with nowhere to hide our vulnerabilities and learning how the other grapples with fear and with hope in the span of days rather than years. It was this new normal and we think back to these vows that we made for richer or poorer in sickness and in health they're just much more poignant now but it's also worth noting that some of the words are still the same I love you let's watch one more episode I love you do you want the last slides? I want you. Can I tell you about this chapter I just read? I love you. Jason Rudman and Alva McRae, like every couple holed up together during the pandemic, had to adjust to cohabitation during quarantine. At the same time, they were adjusting to life in a brand new city. As wonderful as our life is, uh, it is not without uncertainty. Uh, my name is Alvin McCray, and COVID-19 added a level of complexity to our ability to meet uh, the challenges and uncertainties of moving to a new city. My name is Jason Rubman. I'm Alvin's husband, and we decided to relocate to San Antonio from Cleveland, Ohio, in late fall 2019 for a couple of reasons. First, a great professional opportunity in the city, and also the opportunity to get our first house. We have two kids, six and a half and four, and we spent the last couple of decades living in New York City and Cleveland in condos. So the opportunity to have a house with a pool was really appealing. Mm -hmm. As part of the move, I resigned from my role as brand director of United Way. Uh, and for the first few months here, I focused on organizing the house and acclimating the kids to their new schools. 
One of the things we really love to do, and it's been a constant in our life, is to travel. And we love to bring that to our kids to explore new cultures. So at the end of the year, we took an annual vacation, a bit of a tradition to the UK, so our kids could see their grandparents. And returning from those trips in early January, um, we began to fully embrace our, our new home here in San Antonio. And around mid-January to the end of January, I began engaging with uh, different search firms and networking, um, looking to hopefully find a, a role here in San Antonio. And fast forward to March, Jason and I took a trip to Cartagena, Colombia to celebrate a milestone birthday. I mean, without, without the kids. Right, without <laughs> the kids. Uh, and in returning from that trip, I hosted a planned surprise celebration at our home. Uh, the same weekend, the government ramped up warnings on domestic travel due to the impending spread of the coronavirus. Um, 20 out of the 40 guests did show, and it came from various cities around America. So we had a couple of guests towards the end of that weekend who started feeling a little under the weather. After everybody had left on that Monday, I came, started to come down with a fever, a slight cough, some chills. It looked suspiciously like coronavirus, and I took myself to the hospital after calling the ER. Uh, I spent overnight in the hospital. I wasn't admitted, uh, but after a battery of blood tests, nasal swabs, chest x-ray, CT scan, was effectively sent home with what was deemed flu-like symptoms because they had, at that point, ruled out COVID-19. You know, the kids were now being homeschooled. So out of an abundance of caution, uh, we decided that Jason would self-quarantine for seven days. You know, two days later, our guest who returned home notified us that they had tested positive for COVID. At this point, I had already stopped going to work because my symptoms were getting worse. Shortness of breath, cough, aches, fever, headaches. And so I decided to go back to the ER because I wasn't getting any better. They gave me a full coronavirus test at that point. And not only had I tested positive, but I also had developed pneumonia in my right lung. With the challenge of Jason being self-quarantined for 18 days and the uncertainty surrounding the COVID-19 virus, my challenge now was I had to give up my job search and become the sole provider for the household, uh, cooking, homeschooling because the kids were home, keeping the kids in positive spirits, and additionally nursing Jason back to health. So even though we've been together for 22 years, uncertain situations will always be present. While we as a family are still learning to adjust and adapt to San Antonio in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, there is actually a silver lining. Um, not being able to search for a job has enabled me to be the sole emotional, educational, and spiritual support for the family while Jason focus on, focuses on his new role. Few industries have been as utterly transfigured as the restaurant industry. Rebel Mariposa offers a first-hand view of the change inside one San Antonio restaurant. Saturdays are the busiest day of the week at La Botanica. As soon as we open our doors, you'll see people rushing in for a late lunch or an early dinner. During the day, you'll see elderly couples, groups of friends just wanting to chill on the patio, families with their children and their dogs. 
the kids are quickly eating their quesadillas so that they can leave the table and go explore the plants and dance on the stage. As the placement of the sun starts to change, though, so does the crowd. More couples enter. We've had many first dates at La Botanica. You get the queerdos, the weirdos, the college kids, the out-of-town vegan musicians who came to eat dinner because they have a gig later on the strip that night. The comadres having a bachelorette party. They all start to stream in. La B is just one of the many stops along the busy party street of the St. Mary's Strip. No one Saturday night is exactly as the other. It is a beautiful whirlwind I have come to love. This is how I've spent most of my Saturday nights for the past four and a half years. And then boom, pandemic. And almost suddenly, all of the movement was halted. And within a matter of days, a once very busy and sometimes rowdy strip was quiet. It was eerie for me. It was like a small town that had been abandoned that you might drive through on a road trip where all the businesses are boarded up. The quietness of the first weekend of the lockdown was something I had never experienced before. We immediately reduced our hours and how we operated at La Botanica. We wanted to keep serving the public and the community as long as we could do it safely. But we, and with the reduced days and hours meant I had more time at home to spend with Amanda. She too had been instructed to work from home. So there we were, day and night with each other and right at the beginning of spring. The hardest adjustment for me was slowing down. When you run a venue, you don't get a lot of downtime. But a month and a half after the quarantine, I'm really remembering how much I enjoy living at a slower pace. I'm not so busy, we're not so busy rushing out the door anymore that we don't notice the squash blossoms that opened overnight or that the monarch caterpillar we saw slithering up the side of the house has now cocooned in the corner. There's a local nursery, Evergreen. It's located on Hildebrand, just a little west of Blanco. Perhaps you know it. It's a magical place. Edward is a friend of mine and he owns it. When I go, we stroll the aisles of plants and he hands me uh, leaves of herbs to, to taste and nibble on. We talk about all sorts of things. Last year when I went in, I asked him what plant I could put around the house that butterflies liked and that they could use. He answered milkweed. So I got a milkweed, and after a little bit of trial and error, I found a place that it was happy to grow in the yard. Before the quarantine, when I spoke to Amanda about plants, she didn't really pay much attention. But now, with more time, when I spoke about them, she had the energy to listen. One morning, we saw an open chrysalis and a monarch stretching its wings and letting them dry off while it was hovering on the citronella plant. The sight sparked a memory for me. It reminded me of a poem I had read, this poem called Butterflies. It was written by Sub Comandante Marcos of the Zapatistas. The Zapatistas is a group of, fo of indigenous folks who took their land and sovereignty back from Mexico's control in the 90s. In the middle of the poem it reads, with its flight, the flying rebellion that is, the butterfly is saying no, and nothing, absolutely nothing, will be as wonderful as seeing the audacity of that flight, appreciating the challenge it represents, feeling how it starts to agitate the wind, and seeing how with those drafts, it is not the leaves of the trees that tremble, but the legs of the powerful, who until then naively thought that butterflies died if they flew out over the sea. It is well known that butterflies, like rebellions, are contagious.
When I read that poem for the first time, it stoked a fire that was already burning inside of me. And every time I read it, it reignites and fuels it. As things begin to metamorphosize into a new normal for all of us, I want to keep that syncopation with nature that I've been able to get on. I want to keep dancing and I want to keep flying. And my hope is that you will join me. Thank you. The storytellers you just heard received guidance from story coach Kim Johnson. We'll be holding live storytelling events again as soon as it's safe to do so. If you have a story to tell or you know someone with a great story, get in touch with us at tpr.org. Worth Repeating Events are produced by Paul Flav and Kim Johnson. The podcast is produced by Ben Henry. Our news director is Dan Katz. Production assistance from Rob Martinez and Kyle Perez. Bobby Saluche is TPR's Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Joyce Slocum is TPR's President and CEO. Again, I'm Andrea Bocap Sanderson. Talk to you next time.